even as we are separated by space and walls, the peace of Christ is with us. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also, also with, with you. you. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. So the disciples set out and went to the city, and found everything as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he came with the twelve, and when they had taken their places and were eating, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and say to him, one after another, Surely not I. He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the bowl with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. While they were eating, he took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, you O Christ. Christ. Uh, let's pray. Our gracious God, we ask that you would meet us now as we sit with your scriptures. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. You are our rock and redeemer. Amen. This Lent, I've been rereading through Henry Nouwen's uh, The Return of the Prodigal Son, which is uh, a book of Nouwen's reflections on Rembrandt's oil-on-canvas interpretation of Jesus' famous parable from the Gospel of Luke. The painting depicts the father who represents God embracing his long-lost son with such abandon and tenderness and joy, while other figures uh, look on and observe the scene. And in the book, Nowen describes his visit to the Hermitage Museum in what was then Leningrad and is now St. Petersburg, Russia. And the painting hangs there in the museum in a room with a large window uh, that fills the room with natural light. And Nowen was able to make special arrangements with a museum curator to have hours and hours alone with the painting. And so he spent this whole afternoon and evening with the painting and then came back a few days later uh, to spend some more hours with it in the morning light. And he observes in the book how this changing light over the span of a day really transforms the room and transforms the experience that the viewer has of this painting from the harsh glare of the morning sun 
to the warm glow of the afternoon. And in sitting with the painting over the better part of a day, Nouwen's eye was drawn really to different aspects of it as he began to behold it from this different, these different vantage points. Um, and this painting for Nouwen had become a window into the heart of God and into his own soul. And I really wonder if there's something in Nouwen's experience of the painting uh, that might actually helpfully orient us to this very familiar story that we just read of Jesus's Last Supper with his disciples. I mean, of all the stories of Jesus's life, this one is probably the most familiar to us, especially for those of us who belong to a church community that celebrates the Eucharist or the communion meal every week, the way we do at City Church and at Liberty Center City. This is one of the few episodes of Jesus's story that we revisit and retell every single time that we gather together at the Lord's table. And so it's a little strange this morning as we continue to make our way through Mark's gospel, uh, that as we come to this scene, this Last Supper episode of the gospel, it's the first time in a very long time that we aren't actually physically gathering together to celebrate the sacrament and to commune in the way that we normally do. Rather, here we are practicing social distancing gathering in our homes with our families, or maybe even by yourself, practicing this distance that love requires of us right now in a time of global pandemic. And this is not the fast that any of us chose to take up intentionally this Lenten season, but it is the fast we are given. And so here we are, in it, together, but apart from one another, having to think and act very differently than we typically do. And I wonder if this season of social distancing may actually provide us not only with an unexpected fast, but with unexpected light this morning as we come to this familiar story of Jesus that we now consider from the unfamiliar vantage point of keeping the fast instead of the feast. Dallas Willard describes fasting as a way that we learn to be sustained by the kingdom of God directly a way of learning to depend on God the giver and not just the gifts that he gives us, which we so often reach for and fixate on in ways that obscure our view of the giver. Fasting becomes an opportunity to reach, not for the gifts we usually depend on to soothe ourselves and mask our neediness, but for the giver who meets us in our places of real need. In this story from Mark's gospel, we see Jesus taking the gifts of God, the bread and the wine prepared for the Passover feast, and he redirects their symbolic significance toward himself. This is my body, Jesus says, and this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Jesus is presenting himself as the Passover lamb, the once for all sacrifice to take away the sins of the world and the once-for-all food and drink of the feast of God's people. In other words, Jesus is saying, feed on me, drink of me. As he has said elsewhere, that he's the bread of life, and that whoever feeds on him shall never go hungry. He's the living water, and whoever drinks of him shall never thirst again. And in this season that we find ourselves in now, this unexpected fast of social distancing, Perhaps a helpful question for us to sit with during this time is just this. 
What does it look like for us to feed on Jesus now? As we are unable to reach for the many people and the things that we love in this season, how might we reach instead for Jesus who offers himself to us and promises to sustain us in our need? I think as we sit with this very familiar story of Jesus' last supper with his disciples in the distinct light of this season of our unexpected fast, we will find that this story gives us a window through which we may peer into our own souls as well as into the heart of God. First, let's experience afresh the isolation of the disciples in this story. If you look at the first verses in our passage, you'll see that this is a scene of fugitives gathering covertly in the face of danger. There's a cloak and dagger element to this story where Jesus says there's this man who's carrying a jar of water, a sign that would have been imperceptible to most but discernible by those who are looking because carrying water was the work of women, not men. So it's a subtle sign. And there's a network of people helping Jesus and his disciples who are wanted men find a safe place where they may celebrate the Passover feast. There's this high degree of intentionality and care that's being taken in light of their circumstances. And they're not exactly disinfecting door handles and sanitizing their hands compulsively the way we are, but they are vigilant about taking the precautions they need to take in their situation. And their vigilance is causing them to be sort of quarantined together in their own way. As the 12, with Jesus in the intimate space of this guest room that has been reserved for them. These aren't normal conditions for the disciples. And in their extreme situation of solitude with Jesus, he meets them in the most profound way. Now consider the experience of the disciples in this story as a window into our own souls. When Jesus tells them that one among them will betray him, Mark says, they began to be distressed and to say to one another, surely not I. The disciples are uncertain of their allegiance to Jesus and they all recognize in themselves their own divided hearts, their own capacity for betrayal, their own mixed feelings of hope and disillusionment and love of Jesus while also wondering whether they have hitched their wagon to a losing horse. None of them is at peace. None of them is at peace as they recline at the table with Jesus because they all know the turmoil and the complexity of their own hearts. And isn't that just a window into our own souls? That's my story. That's your story. We are inconsistent, faltering, sinful, weak people who don't enter into the presence of Jesus with full-hearted devotion, deserving a place of honor and intimate fellowship with him. Can you see yourself in the face of the disciples gathering around the table with Jesus in that moment? What's the turmoil that rumbles within you? What disillusionment with Jesus or inconsistency in your own life of discipleship is keeping you from experiencing intimate fellowship with God? And can you see in Jesus' gracious hospitality toward his disciples that God's steadfast love toward you is not undone by your inconsistent love toward him? 
God knows you and he loves you and he invites you to be his guest of honor at his feast that shall be kept forever. Consider Jesus now here as a window into the heart of God. One of the most remarkable things about Jesus that we discover in the scriptures is that what God is like is Jesus. Jesus is God's clearest revelation to us of what he's like, of what his heart is like. Look at Jesus here. He knows he's being betrayed by a close friend. Yet how does he respond? Not in self-defense or judgment. He responds in generosity. He doesn't withhold blessing even from Judas. Rather, Jesus welcomes him as a guest and friend at his table alongside the other disciples. Do you see the fragility and the generosity of Jesus? In the face of danger, he offers himself as a sacrifice of love. In the face of betrayal, he extends grace and hospitality even to Judas. Rather than condemning him, he simply points out what a sad choice it would be to withhold oneself from the blessing Jesus gives to those who share in the table fellowship of his people. As Henry Nouwen sat in the Hermitage Museum alone with this painting for this extended period of time, intentionally looking through this window into his own soul and the heart of God, what he began to see is he began to recognize himself in the characters in the painting. First, with the younger son who was lost by way of going off into the far country and serving himself, uh, gratifying himself, kind of giving over to a life of debauchery. Then he began to see himself in another figure, the older brother, the proud one who was standing alongside, looking over disapprovingly at the other son, until finally he began to recognize himself in the face of the father. And he began to recognize that God was calling him out of a way of living in the identity of the lost sons, and rather to take up a calling of being more and more like the father, extending the embrace, forgiveness, and joy of God to others gratuitously. And my hope and my prayer for us this week and this season of Lent is that as we sit with this portrait of Jesus and his disciples given to us by the gospel writer Mark, that something similar would happen in us that happened with Henry Nouwen as he peered through that window into the heart of God and into his own soul. That as we recognize ourselves around the table in the faces of those inconsistent and distressed disciples, that we would experience something of the transforming welcome and grace of Jesus, and that we would begin to recognize that in Jesus, God has come in our likeness, that we may be remade into his. And in this great mystery is the hope and glory of our lives. God loves you and holds you, and he delights in making his home among you. He does not distance himself from you even now. This week I've been reflecting on an illustration that I think comes from Tish Warren, but I've been unable to find it, to cite it properly, but it's a picture of the communion table that stretches as far as you can see in both directions. And around the table are gathered 
all of God's people from generations past, present, and future, all dining together in the presence of Jesus as the communion of saints, as the communion of those welcomed as guests to his table. And I think that's a beautiful image for us this week as we sit in isolation from one another, as we're practicing social distancing, and as we need a little bit more help than usual in having our imagination stoked toward what it looks like to be part of this communion. Imagine with me a table set by Jesus with all of the saints, not only those separated by walls right now in geography or quarantine, but those even separated by time and even death, the mystic sweet communion of those welcomed by Jesus. He makes his home among us and he feeds us. What will it look like for you in this season of Lent, in the season of social distancing, in the season of the unexpected fast, to reach for Jesus who reaches for you and to be fed by him? And what would it look like for you in this season to become like Jesus and perhaps to be one who feeds others who cannot feed themselves? Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover has been sacrificed for us. And in this unexpected fast, let us look forward in hope to when we will keep the feast anew in the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.